Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Hello, dear ones. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to hear from you, our listeners. Our companion episodes... Our trauma healing learnings this season have been wide-ranging interviews with guests on trauma healing, eliminating chronic pain, and all different types of research and medicine. We're also looking to interview more people in the spinal cord injury community. Have anyone in mind or have a topic you would like to see me cover? Email me at Louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. Thank you. I didn't have a chance yet to share with you the last part of the Archer blog from day seven at the Shepherd Center. So much can happen in one day in the hospital. Have you ever tracked just one big day of your life? It's quite dazzling what all can happen in just one day. When we take a microfocus lens to the events, well, every day mattered for us and every day was big. As part of the look back, I realized what a journey it was to notice each day. You might try it yourself to track all the ups and downs, the flow, the cadence of your thoughts and interactions in just one day. Oh, I want to mention too that as it relates to others' pain that you might notice, it can be painful to observe that pain, especially if you, like I, rate high on the empathy scale. But one trauma-informed way to be with your own and others' pain is to get very familiar and curious about it, up close and personal, not fighting it, but observing all aspects of it, as if it were under a microscope, as well as observing other things that surround us. You see, the closer we get to noticing everything, the more potential there seems to be for pain to be loosened and even freed. Indeed, even day seven at the Shepherd Center, day 37 since injury, ended with a sweet moment in a journal entry I had shared with my family and friends back then. Oh, you'll hear other things as well today. But the ending includes an interaction I had with a young care manager in her 20s at the Shepherd Center, whose necklace I noticed. We talked about how, in order to move forward into greater things, sometimes we have to be pulled back first. And that is exactly what seems to capture today's episode and the next. So, take a deep breath and settle in. Here we go. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6, Like an Archer and His Arrow. Day 7, Family and Friends Update. All of yesterday was so huge. It's probably worth sharing with you that Prior to yesterday, Archer had smiled very little. Only just here and there, when asked by a staff member 
and a couple of times when Dad and I were here. My not seeing him smile spontaneously was concerning me, because we all know Archer. But I also know the excruciating pain he is now reporting, which is why they are looking at the whole C-spine and his head in different CAT scans. When asked to describe his pain up until yesterday, the only thing he had ever offered by way of explanation is that it is a constant seven to eight on a scale of one to 10, all over. He would then reference his shoulders in the back of his neck, down his back and wince. But Tuesday, he was able to tell us more. As the OT worked on his back, he closed his eyes to find the words. It's so hard when he's not able to speak, but he can mouth, and we both drew closer. And he said, searing hot, like a dagger in my back and under my shoulder blades. There was a moment of silence at hearing those words. There she was working with him hard and used to seeing results. She said, I have no desire to cause you pain like this. We told him no one wants him in pain or in more pain. And I told him, if it's true, Arch, that you're really a seven to eight most of the day, we will really need to look into a variety of other things as he doesn't want to be on narcotics like morphine for very long. So we had some information to work with. The OT and I talked about acupressure and she did some on Archer's neck and shoulders, finding the trigger points. And as tender as it was, his pain rating of eight went to four. It then went back to six to seven, he said. But the four experience was huge. I said, Arch, that is huge. It was huge because it opened Archer's eyes and experience to see how the body can respond to touch and how certain movement and pressure can bring relief. Well, my and probably his concern too about future dependency on painkillers aside, more importantly for him, I think his experience with the acupressure instilled hope. Hope that there are non-pharmaceutical methods and alternative methods that work, that feel good, and that do not alter his alertness, and that can give a reprieve to his pain. And hope that he will not be in pain forever. Just plain old hope. So Archer's increasing reports of pain and requests for more pain meds now have a new reprieve, albeit not long-lived as his pain returns shortly thereafter, but that's okay. I am aware I am becoming more aware of approaches that might not exist in hospitals even though they work, even if not for long. I'm wondering why they're not used in hospitals. Maybe because hospital staff doesn't know about them or doesn't have time for repeated short-lived approaches. I don't know, because that doesn't make sense to me about health and well-being. But I am wondering 
what we can do differently for Archer's pain. I know it's real. I also have a hunch that some of the physical pain might be connected to emotional pain. I don't know though. It doesn't matter the origin to me. I wonder how much of both could be alleviated by different approaches that are not related to narcotics or any kind of pain medication or a combination of fewer narcotics and other things. I realize I'm wondering about many things. Oh, I've got to tell you a funny thing in the midst of this. At one moment on Tuesday, when it seemed like Archer was not in as much pain, I checked in with him. For those of you who know Archer, he can be stoic about pain both emotional and physical, and can be very serene and rather cerebral about such things, almost as if in contemplation. And it's this serious demeanor that I've seen most of the last few days without any punctuation of the witty and clever and funny side of Archer that we are used to seeing and thought surely might begin to emerge now that we are here at Shepherd. We had a glimpse of it on day three here when Billy arrived with a couple large boxes from the prior hospital stay, stuff for Archer's hospital room. As Billy walked into the room unloading, Archer mouthed, Ben, sharp. What ya get? We both tried to figure out what the heck Archer was saying. We knew it was funny, though, because of the expression on Archer's face. He must have said that line five times before we got it. Been shopping, what ya get? <laughs> Been shopping, what you get? Well, Billy got it first and then didn't miss a beat with him and fell right into the old Monty Python skit he and Archer have said dozens of times to each other over the years. A piston engine. How'd you cook it? Archer mouthed. And Billy said, you don't cook it, you boil it. And we all cracked up. It was a wonderful moment. Little glimmers of our lion-hearted boy with a wonderful sense of humor. It was sweet. But it had subsequently been about three days of no sleep and a lot of pain. And while we know Archer has benefited so much from the soothing, healing sanctuary created in both of the hospital rooms with the orchids and bamboo plants, lavender, and peppermint oils, and the soothing spiritual waterfalls Pandora soundtrack, and the Duder music Billy found. Archer has been very serene these last few days on the whole. He asked for the soft music, told me he prefers it, at least for now. The staff at Shepherd turned the television on, but we decided to watch for the first time in this 37 days of hospital room experience. Tom Hanks in Shipwrecked and Archer watched the U.S. Tennis Open and Rocky, but largely seemed disinterested and asked for the sound to be turned off and the soft music put back on. Loud sounds are just plain old hard on pain and get in the way of healing. I've been thinking about this. I'm glad you kids have not grown up with television. I am, or at the very least, not on in the background all day. It does pass the time though here in the hospital. 
By the way, Archer made the choices on the TV with a sip-and-pop stick in his mouth, hooked to a TV monitor on a tentacle, which can be moved anywhere around his bed or chair. The Shepherd Center is so different than the other hospital. Just that they know and are prepared for spinal cord injury. They're equipped for someone with spinal cord injury to have some restored sense of autonomy. That's the way I see it. Even for Archer to call a nurse for the first time. That's possible here. Even though all the tentacles of sip and puff sticks or coils crisscross his face, and he doesn't like that, but they do allow him a small degree of autonomy. That is huge, too. While they're very bulky, they're not complicated. I realize how much I didn't know was possible or available, like a sip and puff stick that takes the place of pushing a button. You know, one for a nurse, one for the TV, what I didn't even know to be able to ask for on his behalf at Atlantic Care. I said, Hey, Arch, I haven't seen you smile in a while, and I really need an Archer smile. He looked at me almost vacantly and looked down, giving me the impression he was distant and far away with that disconnected look. The kind of eyes that could cut you to the quick if you didn't understand that that kind of look comes from pain or exhaustion. But rather than feeling discouraged or rejected, I stayed rooted and waited patiently to see if he might turn towards me and reconsider. I was so hoping he might. It flashed to me, though, that he is 17. Teenagers do all kinds of stuff that can hurt their parents' feelings. I remained standing by his side, quietly, sort of holding the space for the possibility of a connection. Or what happened took me by surprise. Archer raised his eyes, looked right at me, and then up went his right eyebrow and up went the side of his mouth with an exaggerated curled lip, and he snarled at me just like a Walt Disney pirate. Sure enough, just like always, it made me laugh. Archer can be so funny. That scary, but funny pirate snarl that he's known for and done to me and his siblings when we were all together in the kitchen and we just crack up. It's exactly, I mean, it's exactly the same look as great-grandma Lily would give him and all the other great-grandchildren when they were very, very little, when we would visit her in Illinois. And when any of them had fallen or gotten a boo-boo or crying just a little, every time, Grams would do that same pirate face, which was always so unexpected, that it would disrupt the cry of the child on its way to wind up and would bring each of my then very young children to laughter, and any and all crying would cease. Well, that was what Archer was doing for me in that moment. Oh, it felt so good to laugh. And then he smiled. And it was a really good one. A big smile. A big, natural, beautiful smile. Isn't that amazing amidst so much pain? We will rejoice the day when Archer's pain rating is below four. As I write to you, I thank God this moment for the ability to be pain-free and to move about freely 
please thank God in this moment for your ability to move about freely. Just notice what you're doing right now. Reading, scrolling, pain-free. It's a real gift. And we will rejoice the day when Archer no longer is awakened or disturbed by the rush of the real physical sensation of not being able to breathe that causes him, at least for today, to panic as every fiber in his feeling body sends signals of, I can't breathe. So I better sign off for now. Oh, notice right now how you are breathing effortlessly. I notice how effortlessly I am breathing. It's so easy. Drink in that ease. Feel it in your chest, your shoulders, your elbows, your hands, your fingers. And now feel how wonderful this breathing is in your heart. It's really, really wonderful. Breath gives us life. Life is breath. Breath means we are living. Take a breath and feel that gratitude in your heart. You can breathe. Breath allows you to do many things. You can smile. Think of your hands and arms. You can write. You can carry something. You can carry someone. You can put your arms around someone. Remember this feeling of simple and complete gratitude you have now in this moment that you can move like that and breathe all the way through without even thinking about it. What grace. Yes, it is so wonderful. We have such amazing and splendid bodies. I bet you just smiled thinking about it. Well, please incorporate that joyous feeling that includes your beautiful smile into your prayer for Archer in this moment for his freedom of breath and freedom of movement. And for anyone else you know who is restricted in breath or movement. Pray, pray for a reprieve of respiratory pain. Let's create that force field together for Archer today, tonight, tomorrow. You believe that, don't you? I do. A wise person told me there will be many bumps along the way in Archer's journey, but that something good will come of this. I believe that. Do you believe that? Something good is already coming of this. Your prayers, they are creating this amazing energy field that is holding Archer and bringing him healing energy and love and strength. All through the grace of God and the Blessed Mother Mary and all the saints. I've asked Archer if he feels it. He nods, but he does. He knows God is listening to you. Thank you for Archer Strong. He is really fighting and fighting with believing and not giving up. And look at the rewards of yesterday and today. These respiratory episodes and the sinus surgery tomorrow at 5 p.m. are just bumps. 
there will be other anticipated but not yet known bumps to come. But we can do it. They do not seem as scary now. In fact, they are minor compared to what miracles God is working on. Oh, I have to tell you one more thing that just came to mind. Yesterday, our young patient care technician, as she was checking in on Archer, began telling me how she's working three jobs and going to school, trying to get her associate's degree, and how hard it is. It's just hard. As I listened, she went on that her dad is a machinist and works in this really crummy place. She told me at least three times how smart her dad is. And she wistfully added at one point that her brother got all the brains. But she went on to say she's trying really hard. And she said again, it's just hard. And I said, yes, it's just hard. I noticed a necklace she was wearing with a silver arrow horizontal on the chain. I'd never seen anything like it. It struck me. I told her, I like your necklace. It's like an archer. She looked at me thinking as she reached up to finger the long, slim silver arrow on the chain around her neck. And she began, Yeah, like an archer? Well, I wear it because it reminds me that I'm moving forward with my life. I said, Yes, that's good. And I asked her, So, are you pointed in the right direction? And she said, I hope so. It's just hard. And then she said, Like an archer. I guess in order to move forward, you gotta be pulled back. Hmm, I replied, I guess you do. Yes, I think you're right. And we smiled with each other. This beautiful young woman working so hard to become a professional. Isn't that so good? Let's say a prayer for her and for all the young people working so hard to move in the right direction. Sending love. Amen. Oh, P.S. 5 p.m. Friday, tomorrow, sinus surgery. And 5 p.m. Saturday, September 12th, Mass for Archer at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Baltimore. While many things were going on with Archer, passing his swallow test, and our friend Chris Killebrew offering his empty condominium to us as a place to stay, I was on the phone with many people, doctors back at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore about Archer's pacemaker, friends taking care of Dutch as he was in his second week of school, people at McDonough as I was trying to figure out a school plan for Archer and a person whom I turned to, whom I believed had a special gift, an ability to meditate deeply with a focus on the internal healing of a body. Here is an excerpt of an interview I had with that person, Jessica Dibb from the Global Breathwork Alliance. You will hear more from her throughout this season. 
Yeah, you know, one of the most intimate and sacred, you know, really precious things about it for me was that you would call with such a place of, I would say, humility and trust and, you know, and you would just say, can you, you would say something along the line, can you connect with Archer and tell me da 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 da. I, my God, you know, I'm never going to forget that. It's like this woman is entrusting me, you know, with her, her son's life and just saying, will you connect, you know, like, and just like, and then I would say these things. I, I cannot tell you what, yeah, privilege, what a, what a just extraordinary experience that was for me and how I took it with such reverence, you know, and I did my very best to listen, you know, to, I will just call it the beloved, you know, God, the divine, the all that is. And so I remember when we finally did, and there's so many twists and turns, it would be all these like, you know, does he need this treatment? Does he need that treatment? I can remember times, Louise, I give you a lot of credit where you know, they would say that he needed something and we would just get that he didn't. And you took the leap, you know, you took the leap of faith, um, which I have found to be true. You know, I've had animals and humans that lived way beyond what was supposed to happen because sometimes it's just like, mm, this is, you know, they don't need that or they do need this. And you were just a warrior. I mean, really, you were, you were just a, a sacred warrior. I found that my faith in God and trusting all that God had given me, including intuition, was expanding as the stakes seemed to be getting higher and higher with Archer. It wasn't just his spinal cord injury that was so confounding and complicated. It was the nuanced, multifaceted decision-making and interactions with the medical staff that seemed as complicated as Archer's injury in the first place. For any medical practitioner so bold as to see what was possible for Archer, it also seemed that every one of their medical plans was thwarted as we would encounter new barriers. We had been preparing for Archer's sinus surgery for a few days. I could tell the pressure building in his sinuses was troubling to the shepherd pulmonologists. They were not sharing much, except that the pressure was pushing on the membrane to his brain, and plans were underway to get him exported to another hospital in Atlanta for the procedure. This day we are about to begin in the story is the day of surgery, specifically a Friday evening at Piedmont Hospital. The careful and complicated preparations for transport and surgery took up most of the day. It was the eighth day at Shepherd in their intensive care unit, five days beyond what the team had predicted, even promised that Archer would be off a ventilator. But I was still very hopeful as I trusted them and their expertise. This surgery was just a bump. I clutched my finger rosary in my pocket and asked Mother Mary to carry us through this bump. I did not feel particularly anxious about it until we were wheeled in to the OR and at least 12 medical personnel were in full-on focus, preparing Archer for surgery. They were swarming around Archer and every tube and machine we came in with was switched out to their hospital equipment. Everything. It was like an Indy 500 pit stop. I was being asked to sign all kinds of consent forms with different staff reading me what I needed as I stood bedside to Archer saying, Yes, yes, it was all happening very quickly and with great attention and speed. I sensed it was urgent and the delay 
had been in finding the right people to be on the team for Archer. I wanted to know who the surgeon would be and the anesthesiologist. I was told there were two of each. I asked to meet with all, and when I did, I clasped their hands gently and told them I would be praying for the success of the surgery. To the main surgeon, I kissed his hands and said there would be angels dancing on his fingers and Archangel Michael protecting them all. In any spare moments Archer and I had, I continued to tell Archer to look forward to the promise of being off the ventilator. This was just a bump and that we could look forward to rehab soon. Day 38, Family and Friends Update. Archer's Army and Prayer Warriors, please storm heaven now. Difficulties with anesthesia and breathing. Surgery now underway at 6.50 p.m. Please pray with me if you're so inclined. The three prayers of the rosary or whatever prayer is part of your beautiful tradition as we are all in this together and God hears all our pleas. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. One of the Atlanta Angels, Didi Provosti, and I sat in the waiting room during the tedious surgery. Here is an excerpt of an interview with Didi. I remember you telling me as you pulled out your rosary how you had found it, and it had been, was it your grandmother's or your mother's oh, or your aunt's? Yeah, I think my grandmother had given it to me. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. Louise, I haven't seen this, use this, you know, yeah. but I've got this rosary. Is this useful? <laughs> but I found it. <laughs> I found it. Yeah. How, what what uh, prompted you to go look for it? Well, I think you had asked. I had? Oh. I think you had. I, I said, look, Louise, I will come and sit with you um, during the surgery. You should not have to sit there alone. And um, so I think you might have said, you know, you know, could we pray? Could we do the rosary? And I was, you know, I think that's a, it's a good way to pray. Mm, indeed, it's yeah. a good way to pray. Yeah, I do remember praying the rosary with you. And I remember we held hands. And I remember very distinctly saying that Mother Mary had her arms around us and around Archer. I think we felt that. Oh, I think so. I think so. Yes, Mary had her arms around us all. It was a special time with my first year college hallmate from New Orleans, who then became my sorority sister and housemate. But even after all these years, I don't recall that we ever even knew each of us was Catholic until the night at Piedmont Hospital when sweet Dee Dee again just showed up. It is such a relief when someone else is with you 
while you're waiting on complicated surgery on a loved one. She just offered to be with me. It was such a gift. And when she a bit sheepishly pulled out of her pocketbook an old rosary, she said she had gone looking for a pretty rosary with pearl beads that had been her grandmother's and given to her as a child, one she said she hadn't used since she was a young girl. I cherished that she had taken the time to find it. I imagine her grandmother was smiling too. We held each other's hands and each prayed the decades of the beautiful prayers, alternating between the lines of the Hail Mary and the Our Father. We would look intently into each other's eyes as we'd start each decade for Archer, for the surgeon, for the anesthesiologist, for the nurses, and lastly, for us. It was intense and full of precise intention. And the hours passed quickly. I felt so comforted by my friend and her generosity. The doctor strode urgently into the little waiting area to find me. September 11th, 2015, Friday, day 38, 8 p.m. All good, finished. He was a champ. The angels danced on his surgeon's fingers. Thank you, God, and oh, Clement, blessed Mary, for the skillfulness of our bodies and our surgeon's hands. No more potential risk to Archer's brain. Archer strong. Amen. They allowed me into the recovery. I sat closely watching Archer and another set of nurses buzzing around as they went through a shift change. There were many notes and handoffs for the different monitors hooked to Archer tracking every heartbeat and other vital, complicated, by the monitors noting every drop of drainage in the many tubes. I sat in silence for a long time. A quiet crept into the night as the nurses found their rhythm Archer's anesthesia took a long time to wear off. It was as if his body had been completely arrested. As he thawed, there were a couple breathing lap scares and rapid suctioning under the bright hospital lights, which were intense. And I prayed they had the expertise as they consulted with the shepherd team. But by and large, we were back to the many blips and beeps and the rhythmic sounds of multiple electronic machines tracking the life force of one human body as it slowly emerged from a deep induced coma. I don't know why I still had it in my mind that if we made it through this, everything would be okay. I know that may have been naive, but that seemed to be my mindset for every surgery, every scare. I comforted myself that they were all just bumps. Right, Lord? I tried to empty myself and my thoughts. I did not write again. For a couple of days and looking back I realize I too was finding a new rhythm in this new leg of our journey there were many other things now to include in what we had to think about and consider and manage summer was officially over the children were back in school and sports to their jobs. My office had clients 
and contracts that needed to be serviced. Our book, Being Relational, had launched in bookstores and on Amazon. And we were going to be at the Shepherd Center a little longer than anticipated. And I had to figure out how to manage and how to stay connected to all that was important to me. I was not the mother of one. I was the mother of five. And we had bills to pay and life to carry on outside the hospital. I was particularly angst at this time, though still wondering how Archer would get back to school. I know that's what he wanted most. Well, it had changed to what he really wanted most was to be able to breathe on his own. It's funny how our list of priorities can change. Well, Archer's school was in its first full week of classes back home. I had many, many text messages as I still held hope that somehow he would return to his high school McDonough this fall. I just couldn't take in the full gravity of his injury, even 38 days later. Our daughter Paula texted me a beautiful poem and then told me it was one of her favorites and she never knew why until now. I'll read it to you. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world. For beauty, you are my world, my true. And it's you, you are whatever a moon has always meant and whatever a sun will always sing. It's you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life, which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. I know Paula had sent that to me. I felt a smile cross my face as it resonated with my soul this day. I knew it was a tender love poem to the creator himself. I yearned to stay close to God. As time went on, my updates started to cover longer stretches of days. As opposed to a once daily update, I was now updating my family and friends more sporadically sometimes in small groups of posts, and sometimes in longer updates. You'll hear this in the content of the rest of the season. Sunday, September 13th, 2015. September 11th through the 13th, days 38 to 40. Day 9 through 11 at Shepherd. Come to the shepherd and rest. Even Jesus retreated to the desert to rest and stayed for 40 days. We are on day 40 and we are in need of rest. I'd say Archer and I are both tired. But it is Archer who has real reason to be. Archer's Friday surgery was one no one wants to have, of course, as the sinus cavities are in an area separated from the brain by bone 
that is paper thin. But it is a surgery many people do have. For Archer, I learned our real concern for this surgery was not as much the pressure on the brain and the potential for meningitis and a brain abscess as it was Archer's being strong enough to make it through surgery from a respiratory perspective. And now, 48 hours plus later, I think I would amend that to say strong enough to make it through the after-surgery drainage, dependent as he still is on the ventilator and his tracheostomy. He is now very physically exhausted. Archer is still in so much pain. It has been difficult to manage to a number below a five on a scale of one to ten. He is often at seven to eight. Often. It didn't used to be that way. It is heartbreaking. The drainage from the sinus surgery has increased the amount of, of respiratory suctioning of his lungs by fivefold, at least, bringing up plugs after plugs of dark, bloody mucus. Each respiratory therapist remarks that it's a wonder he can breathe at all. It is a wonder. He desaturates to an oxygen reading as low as 70. That's not a good number. He is his own advocate though. And as much as he dreads the suctions, which have been hourly to as often as every 20 minutes, even now on Sunday, he watches his own monitors closely to stay ahead of the crisis moment when he gasps for air because he can't truly breathe regardless of the amount of air from the ventilator and regardless of the repaired capacity of his lungs. He fills up with drainage and can't breathe because he has no way to get it out of his body except through deep suctions. I will write more later. It was a lot. I look back on a number of things. I felt my life was changing in ways I could not put my finger on completely. Simple things, like having a friend at my side while I was at Archer's side, gave me a lot to think about. I would not have realized how powerful this was until I experienced it. If you are in a hospital waiting room waiting on the results of a complicated procedure, you might consider asking a friend to be there with you. Or you might be the friend who offers to be with the person who is anxiously waiting. You can pray with them. We all can pray. Praying to God is very intimate. Praying to God together with another person doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Jew, Muslim, or Hindu. It deepens the intimacy of oneness. And it's very potent medicine. And while a natural human tendency in crisis is to retract and go private. Well, this can have its time and place for resting, for introspection, and for healing physical wounds. Have you considered the power of being with another person who feels you, who is with you? Yes, for emotional transformation and trauma healing. We don't want to retract and go private for too long because we need each other. We were designed to be in communion with each other. 
I wanted people to pray for Archer. I believe deeply in the power of praying to God. A personal, intimate plea. Together. I was also becoming acutely aware of the miraculous aspects of the body, beginning with the breath and the miraculous aspects of our brains as humans to discover and create modern medicine. Perhaps you marvel at that too. It's extraordinary what doctors know about the human body and how to keep it alive and how much they still do not know. I think a lot about how precious life is and why, as the human race on earth, we care so deeply about life. So much is possible in one life, in every life. Maybe you have thought about this too. I think our deep desire to be hopeful is part of the same hard wiring we have as a human race to stay alive. We are designed to live and to live fully. Oh, as I close on this day 38 in the story, there is one last part of this day I also remember. A nurse came into the hospital room with a delivery, a folded piece of eight and a half by 11 copy machine paper. It was another message from the man we did not know in Missouri, but who had been at the Shepherd Center himself as a quadriplegic. I didn't fully realize how vital his email messages were. I remember marveling that he even sent a message and that Archer too would be able to be on a computer someday, but it was what he said in his message that was powerful coming from someone who had been there. Hello, Archer. I am reading your mom's posts. I can tell you are brave and determined. Stay strong. It gets better. Your friend, John Bowders. Stay strong, Archer. Sometimes, sometimes we have to pull back to go forward. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love, hope for everything, obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye story. You may continue listening next Wednesday to the trauma healing learning that accompanies this story at Trauma Healing Learning 6, Healing Trauma Through Acupuncture with Dr. Janice Campbell. Thank you for listening and telling your friend about Blink of an Eye. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. Together, We are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blink of an Eye podcast is sponsored by I See That, the integrative center for trauma healing, advocacy, and transformation.
a nonprofit created as a national resource to help change the way we respond to spinal cord injury, to include trauma healing approaches for families and medical teams across the U.S. I See That provides a national team of SCI specialized doctors for expert opinions in the first hours of crisis, a multidisciplinary family support and navigation team for SCI families led by SCI families for the first 30 days of crisis, and a national resource library of trauma-informed responses for the first hours and days after injury, specialized for families, friends, and SCI medical staff. I See That also offers a registry of medically unexpected SCI recoveries. I See That will host the inaugural conference, The Science of Trauma, Hope for Trauma Healing, October 5th, 2022. To donate and find out more, visit www.icthat.org. That's I, the letter C, T-H-A-T, dot org.